good morning. It is wonderful to have all of you here this morning. Please join me in the hymnal in uh, number 549, and we'll sing the doxology together. It's in the red hymnal, number 549, and we'll sing the doxology. number 719. But the souls of the virtuous are in the hands of God. No torment shall ever touch them. In the eyes of the unwise they did appear to die. Their going looked like a disaster. They're leaving us like annihilation. But they are in peace. Yet God did make man imperishable. He made him in the image of his own nature. But the virtuous live forever. Their recompense lies with the Lord. The Most High takes care of them, for he will shelter them with his right hand and shield them with his arm. Amen. Our first hymn this morning is number 445, More About Jesus I Would Know. Number 445, More About Jesus I Would Know. Oh. 
go to the Lord in prayer. Our gracious God, we are so thankful that you have brought each and every one here this morning to worship you. And Lord, we lift up the needs and requests that we have in our lives. And God, you want us to do that because you remind us that as we pray to you, we take the time out for you to speak to us as well about the things that we need to work on in our lives. And we praise you for that. Lord, we think of the prayer requests of family members and of friends, people that are traveling today that we know. Lord, we think of the patients throughout this medical center, the staff that is working here today, and the family members that will be visiting. Lord, we lift them all up to you in prayer. And God, we do so in one accord, because we know that your presence is here with us, worshiping in this chapel this morning. And God, it is in that presence that we offer our prayers And God, we'd ask that you would bless all that are here and bless those that are just being near to you this morning. And God, we are so thankful that you taught us to pray by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for praying with me this morning. Our next hymn is number 409, I Will Sing the Wondrous Story. Number 409, I Will Sing the Wondrous Story. Yes, I'll sing 
Good words in this hymn. Good words. Our scripture reading this morning is found in 1 Timothy chapter 4, beginning with verse 8. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. That is why we labor and strive, because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, and especially of those who believe. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious God, we are so thankful for the hymns that we have sung, the prayers that we have offered, the scriptures that we have read, because God, we want to bring you honor and glory in all things. And it is in that reverence, Lord, that we know that your spirit is with each and every one of us this morning. And God, I would ask that you would help me say those things that we all need to hear so that we can draw closer to you and just understand your presence in our lives more and more. Help me now, I pray, in Christ's name. Amen. Earlier this week, I saw something on, on social media, and it was a phrase that has stuck with me through this week, and I've been thinking about it over and over again. And basically, the statement was this, that for you to be able to love others, you first have to love yourself. For you to be able to love others, you first have to love yourself. Does that make sense? And I thought about that. In fact, I thought about it all week. And I was thinking, okay, so how can I understand to love myself better? And it's not the love that we think about in terms of being enamored with ourselves. And we wake up and we go to the mirror and we talk to ourselves and we exclaim how good looking we are and that we give ourselves little kisses in terms of how we love ourselves. But I think what's important here is the truth of that statement is exactly that, that if you love yourself, understanding that within yourself God has created you, the good, the bad, right? And if you accept that, and if you understand that, then I think you begin to see how important it is for you to love yourself because you are God's creation. And yes, perhaps, as I do at times, wish for more hair on the top of my head, but I know that's not, that's not going to happen. And when I was younger, I wished that I was a little taller so I could play basketball a little better or run a little faster, or have a little bit more upper body strength, because that's always been one of my physical weaknesses. But that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about the whole idea of you to be able to love yourself as God's creation for the way that he has created you. Because God has created you in his eyes, in his mind, and in his perfect will. And that's hard for us to understand sometimes because we have all these things around us in our lives 
that tells us that our lives are imperfect because we do not have certain things whether they are possessions or some type of ability that we're supposed to possess, that if somehow that we are lacking, that we truly can't love ourselves until we fulfill ourselves with these other things. But that is not true. The truth about our lives is that God loves us, and because of the value that we have in the eyes of God, that we should love ourselves. And in turn, because we understand that, we give that blessing to other people because we then can love others for who they are with all of their imperfections, with all of the things that are wrong with them. Now, how did I get all of that from this portion of Scripture that we just read this morning? Well, I like to start at the end of the portion of scripture that says this God who is the savior of all people and especially of those who believe and that is our hope that it is why we labor and strive because we have put our hope in the living God and because of that we can truly love ourselves for the way that God loves us And in turn, we love other people for who they are. Because just in the same way that sometimes we doubt God's perfection in our lives, I guarantee you I doubt other perfections in other people's lives because I'm saying, God, how can that person just, how do you expect me to love somebody like that? But God says that we need to do that if we truly do love ourselves. Because that reflects the godliness that God wants us to have. The godliness that God wants us to have is in exhibited by how we love others. And that is a struggle for me. And if it is not a struggle for you, then God bless you because you have insight that is far beyond the scope of my understanding. But one thing I do know, that as we deal with the whole process of trying to love ourselves because God loves us and that leads to godliness in our lives and therefore we are able to love other people, we are to never quit on the understanding of that concept that that is how God wants us to live. Because it is a blessing to us. Godliness brings value to our lives. Godliness brings purpose to our lives. And in doing so, it makes us love our relationship more and more with God. And consequently, we love ourselves more. And because we love ourselves more, we are able to love others more. And our life is good. And we should never quit on the concept of trying to live godly lives. We are going to make mistakes. We are going to fall. But we should never lose the whole idea that in the value that we have walking with God, that godliness is the key. Because it gives us the life that we are all searching for. It gives us that purpose 
that we're all searching for. And in that concept of godliness and valuing it in our lives, it gives us the promise for both this life and that is also the life that is to come. Because it has its rewards. And it's not the rewards that sometimes we expect. The rewards that come with godliness comes in very special ways. And I think one of the things that we need to think about it is when we think of godliness and when we apply godliness in our lives and if we're looking for some type of reward to happen for us, we need to ask God to open our eyes so we can see what our godliness is doing in our lives and in the lives of others. And that is something that we need to put our faith and put our confidence in. Because it is something that is trustworthy. It is something that gives us that full acceptance of what we believe in. It is something that as we never quit, that we labor and that we strive for. It's something that we work towards. And the scripture started off this morning with the whole idea of physical training and the value that it brings to our lives. And I would say yes, Physical training does bring value to our lives, but it has its limits. Because there are things in our lives that are beyond the scope of our understanding that we know God is present in our lives, and that goes beyond what we are able physically to be able to do. And it does have value. Don't get me wrong on that. I still do physical training. A couple of weeks ago, I actually hiked the Grand Canyon again, rim to rim, for the second time in the last two years. Why I do that, I have no idea. Because I guarantee you that when I'm in the middle of it, I'm like, why did I put myself in this situation to do this again? But the importance of it is this, that even in that physical Exertion, And I'll say that if you've ever hiked the canyon or parts of it, you know that there are times that it is very arduous. But even then, there is limits to what your physical training can do and provide to you. There are times that as I've been on these hikes the last two years, that all of a sudden I found myself hitting that physical wall, that physical barrier where you just want to quit and you just want to give up. And you need something more to help you carry on. And that's where you go into and you access the spiritual aspects of your life. To say, Lord, help me. Give me that strength that I need to go on and to persevere. And that comes in so many ways in our lives. Not just when you're hiking the Grand Canyon or doing something physical. But the things that we face, the challenges that we have in our everyday lives reminds us that as we look for strength, as we look for direction, as we look for insight, as we look for wisdom, where it comes from in terms of our access to God is how we have been living for God and with God. It reflects the godliness in our lives. Don't expect for you to have great insight and great vision and great wisdom if you are not living a godly life with God. Because you see, unless you're making the attempt to be godly, 
You cannot have that insight. You cannot have that wisdom. You cannot have that vision that God wants you to have. Because you see, unless we're making that attempt to be godly, we are walking in darkness and not in the light. And God wants us to walk in the light. Because he wants to be able to see the godliness that he wants us to have, the purpose of that godliness, how it blesses others as well as blessing ourselves. And then when we get up in the morning and we truly look at ourselves in the mirror, we can honestly say we love ourselves because the way that God loves us. It's not because of our godliness. It's because of God living through us. Allowing God to help us to deal with the things that we struggle with so that we can have godly living. To deal with our imperfections that God wants us to take and to mold and to accept and to benefit from us. And in that benefit, we are able to share those struggles that we've had with others so they can sense that purpose. They can sense that godliness. They can sense that understanding of being able to live and love themselves because God has created them. But once again, it's a reminder to us that it is the living God who is the Savior of all people. But if you do not have a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ, then the last part of the scripture that we read this morning has no meaning to you. But if you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, the last part does have meaning because it says, especially of those who believe. Our living God is the Savior of all people. But it only has value, it only has purpose, it only has insight unless you truly believe. Otherwise, it is just a statement. Because then it is not personal. And God has that personal relationship with us. He wants that personal relationship with us through His Son, Jesus Christ, especially of those who believe. Because if you believe, if you've trusted Christ as your personal Savior, then you see the value of the godliness that God wants you to work on in your lives. To do the right thing, always. Not just part of the time, not just some of the time, not just when it's convenient, or when it's correct in terms of the circumstances in which you find yourselves in. But godliness takes place when people do not see you do it. That's when we truly show and demonstrate who we are in Christ. True godliness is when no one else sees it but you and God. And I must admit that in my own life there's sometimes that I do the right thing and there's nobody around and I want applause. Man, you just, just see what I... No, nobody saw that. I just did this. Oh, nobody saw that. So why did I do it? I did it because it was the right thing to do. Because it honors God. And maybe I'm not getting applause from people around me or pats on my back or awards in terms of the things that I do that nobody sees that are good. 
I don't want to report to you that I do bad things that nobody sees, but I do. But you see, that's where the godliness truly measures who we are in Jesus Christ. That truly measures in terms of what we believe in, in terms of who we are as a person. Because we should never quit. We should never quit in the efforts that we make to have godly lives. And that godliness does take place when no one else is looking at you, when no one else is watching. The godliness takes place in our minds, in our thoughts, in our hearts. That no one else sees but God. Because you can never fool God. You can fool yourself, and you can fool others, but you can never fool God, because God sees everything. God knows everything. And so if that is the case, then why not submit to the holiness and the godliness that brings us great value that gives us the promise of the way that God wants us to live in the present life and in the life to come. And it is something that is so trustworthy and it deserves full acceptance in our lives because living a godly life gives us unlimited access to God. Now it doesn't mean that that unlimited access means that God's going to answer all of our prayers the way that God wants us. We want God to do that for us. But godliness gives us unlimited access to God. Unlimited in terms of understanding how God is working in our lives. Unlimited in terms of the whole aspects of the, the wisdom and the discernment and the insight that we want to have and taking on the different challenges that we have. And just because we have limit, unlimited access to God, it does not mean that our problems all go away. But it does give us an understanding of our challenges, of our problems. And if we are making the effort to live the godly life that God wants us to have, then all of those things take the proper perspective that they need to have. And it gives us encouragement. It gives us courage to never quit, to always believe in the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. And that's where we get that unlimited access to God, to those who believe, those that have trusted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, those that are willing to do what it takes to walk with God, to do what it takes to do the right thing, to do what it takes to do those things in a godly way when no one else sees but God. Because then we are truly saying to God, I value the relationship that I have with you through your Son, Jesus Christ. And then it gives you that purpose. It gives you that meaning. It gives you what you need to have in your life so that you can love yourself the way God has created you and me.
And in doing so, we are able to love others because of what we believe in. Amen. Let us take a few moments and prepare our hearts for communion. And it should remind each and every one of us that we all struggle with godliness. But communion gives us an opportunity publicly to show to God, to demonstrate to others that we have not given up on ourselves. And we make a commitment never to quit on the whole idea of being godly before God. Let us pray. Our God, we are so thankful that you have reminded us of the things that we need to work on. And Lord, forgive us when there are times that we have spiritually just quit, when we have just become so frustrated and we just give up. But God, you have reminded us this morning not to do that, that there is great value in us never to quit in our efforts and our attempts to live godly lives because there is such a blessing in the godliness that you want us to have. And Lord, we are so thankful that a living God has provided to us to be the Savior of all people and especially of those who believe, those who believe in God's Son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, that's why we celebrate communion. To remember what was done for us on the cross, the suffering and the death and the burial, but also to celebrate the resurrection, the appearing and the ascending, because in that we are reminded that that return will happen one day for each and every one of us. And in between then and now, you want us to live godly lives in the present but also we see the benefit of living godliness in the future with you. Thank you, God, for forgiving us of our sins and loving us just the way we are. In Christ's name, amen.
I receive from the Lord, what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us partake together. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let us partake together. Our closing hymn this morning is number 442, Have Thine Own Way. coming.